It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on guys? Happy New Year and welcome to the first episode of the 2019 year and dynasty season because we all know dynasty football never ends. It is the fantasy roundtable podcast. It's me, Matt, back at it again today on January 1st. So, I mean, let's just throw it all out there, guys. We've had a huge news story going on all day today and most of the afternoon yesterday, and we're not even going to drop the sounder. We're just going to jump right into it. Antonio Brown has apparently and then not apparently asked for a trade from the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, as everything went down yesterday after I recorded... There was a lot of talk about what happened with Antonio Brown. For anybody uh, involved in having him on their teams in Week 17, if you played in a championship game that week, knows that he did not play due to what was supposedly called a knee injury by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He sat, did not play. That report apparently is false. Apparently what really happened uh, was about Wednesday at some point in time during practice, Uh, Big Ben and Antonio Brown had a little bit of a falling out. From what I read, Big Ben wanted him to run some extra routes or do something differently on a route. Antonio got mad, went to have a word with Big Ben. It it turned into, I guess, a pretty pretty interesting uh, scuffle between the two. I mean, no punches were thrown or anything like that, but a pretty heated argument, I guess, is the better way to put it. Uh, And it ended up with Antonio Brown leaving practice. He did not show up Thursday, was there Friday, but then skipped the team meeting Saturday. When the team showed up Sunday for the game, his uniform and everything was in his locker ready to go. It is then when he was informed he was not going to be playing in the game. At which point he was there through halftime and apparently left after halftime. That has all pretty much been confirmed. Again, a lot of it seems to be stemming from Big Ben. I'm going to get to that in just a minute with the A-B stuff. So we've seen all kinds of reports flying around today, Tuesday, that he he wanted a trade, then hasn't wanted a trade. 
I would not believe it regardless, even if he did ask for a trade, that it could happen. Uh, he will be, if traded, put a lot of money on Pittsburgh's books. I believe what I was looking at is going to be like 21 mil dead money on the books for Pittsburgh. Or that might be if they release him. I personally don't see them trading him. Obviously, if they did... They could get a haul for the guy. He is still one of the best wide receivers in the game. I get that he's 30, going to be 31 this coming season. That doesn't matter. The dude produces every single year. If they actually were to trade him, they would obviously get a haul back for him. I personally just do not see that happening. When it comes to Big Ben, I think that this has been... A pretty interesting uh, last couple seasons for him with Pittsburgh. So what I've been doing, I, I mean, I'm monitoring social media, paying a lot of attention to different stuff. And I see a lot of people getting on Antonio Brown. And then also a lot of people saying that it's the Pittsburgh Steelers' fault, Mike Tomlin's fault, and the way that they handle their players. For the Mike Tomlin part, I'm going to completely disagree with that narrative. Mike Tomlin, in my opinion, is one of the better coaches in the NFL does he make some very interesting play calls for instance that fourth down fake where he ran it with their fullback Knicks many other things that maybe he shouldn't done I love it I think he's a ballsy coach he goes for it he wants to win there's nothing wrong with that you ask any NFL player they're going to tell you that's what they want out of their head coach they don't want punting they don't want to punt the ball on a fourth and one they want to go for it they want to get the win I think with the way he's handled that locker room with all of the egos and everything going on in Pittsburgh, because we all know they're there, back from even when Le'Veon Bell was there with them uh, the past couple seasons, they have handled it, he has handled it very well. I don't think it's Mike Tomlin. There has been a report that some of the part, or why A.B. was upset was that Mike Tomlin sided with Ben Roethlisberger. I wasn't there. None of us were really there to know exactly what happened. I personally don't know if he did or didn't. I would imagine if he did, you're siding with your franchise quarterback. So that is what it is. For Big Ben's side, what I find very interesting was that he was apparently getting after A.B. in this practice. This is now the third time that he has called out a teammate or made a big deal about something this year when, in my opinion, he has not played that great. He has had a great year overall. He finished with, I believe, just under 5,000 yards, or he actually has over 5,000 yards this year, uh, but didn't quite match the touchdowns that Patrick Mahomes put up, which is why Pat, Pat Mahomes is getting all that love with the 50 touchdowns and 5,000-yard year. But Big Ben has struggled at points this year. It is his fault that, in my opinion, they at least tied the Browns in that first game because I watched that entire game. Big Ben sucked. Um, but he's called out Le'Veon Bell for all the stuff that went on there. Earlier this year, he called out A.B. and James Washington. He's made comments critical of other teammates many of the years, always wants to talk about how he's hurting here or there, yet you never hear any other player on that team talk about their injuries. I mean, you had Juju come out and talk about how he injured his groin. He's like, nah, I'm going to be out there playing. De didn't even talk about what happened. He just said that he's going to be out there playing. And I mean, I do love the tweet that it was about the fantasy championships, but doesn't bring up the injury. But yeah, Big Ben gets oddly specific. Yeah, you know, I pulled my upper dorsimus that connects to this, that, you know, I shouldn't even be playing. Doctor said I might not even live, you know, and I'm risking my life out here, but I'm going to come out here because I love playing football. No, you're a drama queen. Uh, I, I personally don't love the fact 
fact that Big Ben was involved. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I might be a little bit biased in this thing because I personally do not like Big Ben at all as a quarterback or person. Again, I, I think he's uh, quite the drama queen. Uh, I don't like a lot of the stuff that's hap- that he was involved in a couple, it may have been more than a couple now at this point, but off seasons ago, you could look it up and find out what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, in my opinion, you get accused of that twice in the same kind of manner. That's not coincidence, but, um, you know, just the fact that he, he's come out and criticized teammates the way that he has. And, and I think that a B and everybody handled it with class yet again, they came out. Oh no, that's okay. You know, he has the right to criticize us and everything. Well, then who has the right to criticize him? Uh, because I don't see him up there all the time except given the cliche answers of, oh, yeah, I just didn't play well today. I need to be better. I shouldn't have done this, done that. Yeah, everybody says that, Ben. Why don't you come out and talk about how poor you've been in this or in that or why the team lost because you did this or that, and yet he never does it. So all in all, it's a pretty crappy situation going on in Pittsburgh right now. Um, Part of me, honestly, would have loved to see them make it into the playoffs just to see what would have happened with this ridiculous kind of circus going on with them right now and the fact that they would be having to play Sunday against the very good uh San Diego or sorry ooh, I went San Diego man I haven't done that all year guys and I went San Diego the Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday if they would have uh, obviously Baltimore would have lost and they would and they oh well they did win they beat Cincinnati uh but if they would have gotten in I'd love to see how this whole circus and everything would have played out but again I just I don't see I don't see A.B. getting traded. That'll be something we'll obviously watch all offseason long. I don't think it hurts his value one bit dynasty-wise, though, guys, if he does or doesn't get traded. Uh, If he stays there in Pittsburgh, I can't imagine he's going to be like, well, I'm not playing until you trade me. If he does, then... We'll talk about that when that happens because, man, would that be huge. I, I would honestly love it uh, because we saw Le'Veon Bell pretty much do that same thing. He sat out until he was going to get paid, didn't want to get hurt, wasn't going to get paid, sat out all year. Good for him. I'm, I, you know, I'm not one of those people who hates on him for doing that. His money, his life, he should be able to do it with however he wants. And, and I'm in the same boat with AB. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I just don't expect him to get traded due to the amount of money that is owed to him per the contract that he signed with Pittsburgh a couple years ago. Uh, teams would have to give up. You're looking at probably two first. And some, maybe if you're sending a player back, you could lessen the picks a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be worth it, uh, but it's a little bit different, you know, when you're talking about a dynasty fantasy football trade. Oh, yeah, I'll give you two firsts for Antonio Brown uh, because chances are you you could build around not having those two firsts. It's a little bit different for an NFL team who's about to go, you know, uh, 30, 31 picks before they get their next one if they trade that one pick away. Now, chances they could get another one, yeah, but unless you're the Oakland Raiders who have multiple first-round picks this year, uh, it just does not make sense to trade him. All right, so now that that is all done with for today's podcast, I am going to talk uh, the running backs. I was going to do running backs and wide receivers, uh, but I actually kind of want to space this out the rest of the week and do one every day in case you guys just want to listen for one position uh, or come back and and do different stuff. Uh, Don't want to have these go too long, although Mondays went about 40 minutes. Uh, So today I'm just going to do the running backs. Same thing with the quarterbacks like I did uh, yesterday. We will talk the top 12 finishers on the 2018 year through weeks 1 through 16 where most leagues championship games and in half point PPR scoring. I will then talk about obviously the MVP, the best running back, the most surprising and the most disappointing best rookie all that although quarter running backs pretty easy to guess who the best rookie is. Uh, so we will don't jump into that today and 
really don't have any kind of cool sounder or anything for that. So we're just going to literally jump right into it. At number one for the 2018 season is no surprise to anybody. Someone who literally missed the last week of the season due to uh, an injury, Todd Gurley. 343.6 points on the year, averaging 24.54, which is just ridiculous. Again, three points higher than the next best running back a week average a week uh he's definitely in my opinion has to be the one one again next year though i'm already putting together uh my list for 2019 early early 2019 um first round picks uh and i've got him in a group of three that i would not be mad at you if you took any of those three guys but yet he is still gonna be my one one off the board every single year or at least next year and probably 2022 because this dude doesn't look like he's slowing down number two was christian mccaffrey who kind of came out of nowhere 325.5 points on the season 21.7 points points this year and the reason I love Christian McCaffrey and why he is one I'm gonna tell you right now he's my number two going into next season and here's why not one single digit point week on the entire season Todd Gurley gave you a single digit week Back in week 14, he gave you 7.3. Zeke did. Barkley did. Kamara did. Connor did. Melvin Gordon did. Oh, I'm sorry. Melvin Gordon did not, though. Melvin Gordon did missed a couple of games. All of those guys gave you a single-digit week at some point in time during the season. Christian McCaffrey did not. Now, he did come close once with a 10.1 week, but it doesn't matter. Because he didn't get you a single digit point week. And that is my whole point. Everybody talked about it this offseason. I was not one of the people who hated on him. I thought that he was going to get a bulk of the work. Mostly because I didn't believe in C.J. Anderson. Although what he showed me with the Rams proved that that might have been wrong. Me not believing in him. Uh, But I thought that Christian McCaffrey was so versatile. He was going to get the ball more than enough to produce here. He was going to get all the receiving work in Carolina. And that played out. And he balled out this year year I would not expect any different going forward a matter of fact interesting talk uh earlier this week about the fact that a couple years ago last year obviously their rookie season that he was drafted behind Leonard Fournette and I was not one of those people who told you to draft Leonard Fournette over Christian McCaffrey now I didn't have quite the uh the following that I do now uh didn't have quite the Twitter following either that I did now but I was one of those people very vocal about taking Christian McCaffrey over Leonard Fournette for two reasons Christian McCaffrey much more versatile he can catch the ball he can do a lot more I thought that he'd be a great fit in the NFL for this new age running back that we were starting to see a little bit of coming into this year or coming into last year I'm sorry Leonard Fournette, the ankle injuries, and the fact that he did not catch the ball that much. Now, you might say ankle injuries. Well, he really hasn't dealt with that that much. You're, tr- you're right. That is that is very true. He has not dealt with ankle injuries so far this year. However, he's still having issues with his legs. And from people that I trust, that I've heard, talk about, and read about all over the internet, there have been people who saying that the injury that he has in his ankle, he will never be fully healthy. That ankle will never be fully healthy again. That that is something that is just debilitating for someone like him who's running. I think that's why he lost a lot of the weight that he did coming into the year because he didn't want to put all that weight on that ankle and that leg. And look what it did. It caused him to get hurt in other areas. And anybody who's played sports, gotten an injury, knows that that's what happens sometimes. You try and play through injuries. You try and compensate for 
or something, and you end up injuring other parts of your body. So for me, it's always been Christian McCaffrey. Uh, some people did it. I know a lot of people went Leonard Fournette, and now, unfortunately, you're paying for it because I don't think Leonard Fournette is ever going to get back to what he was, and he's had even more drama surrounding him now with everything going on with the Jacksonville Jaguars team and him sitting out, getting his bonuses and everything revoked. It's been ridiculous. Number three, Saquon Barkley, three, 318.1 points on the year, average 21.21. Dude was sensational this year. Everybody wondered, could he do it? The second pick, crazy. And I'm going to go on that tangent here in just a second. Uh, but I thought he lived up and produced, outproduced his hype. Uh, great running back. Anybody who had eyes, anybody who, who paid attention to football knew this dude was going to be special and he was going to be able to to be great. You know, I, I talked about it all offseason uh, the year prior that he should be the number one pick in every rookie draft. Hopefully everybody took him. I can't imagine somebody didn't. Um, though Darius Geis was fairly close to me, I, I still had him separated uh, pretty by a pretty wide margin for me, um, and he lived up to the hype. As for the Giants and them taking him, I think I've talked about it before, but I'm going to jump on it again one more time and just say this. It was the right call, guys. I know a lot of people don't believe it. They're like, nah, they should have taken a quarterback or two and let Saquon fall. You have a generational running back right now. And I know that term is thrown around a lot lately with guys like Zeke and Todd Gurley coming out in the past couple years. But really, Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, and Zeke are up there. I know Alvin Kamara gets a lot of love. Part of that is the system that he's in, in my opinion, and you guys can at me if you want on that. Uh, obviously, you get a guy like Philip Lindsay who is undrafted, but Philip Lindsay, as much as I love him, is not in their category, guys. So for Saquon Barkley, you get a generational running back with a fifth-year option now because you used the first-round pick on him, and now they have their choice of quarterbacks over the next two years. If they continue to build this team, I mean, they went, you know, they not a great team, obviously, but they're not the worst team in the NFL. They need probably another wide receiver, obviously some offensive line help, and probably a cornerback and or safety in the defensive tackle. Okay, those are things that you can address, especially in this draft on the defensive side, because this is going to be a defensive-loaded class. On top of that, right now at least, you don't have a lot of teams looking for a quarterback. Now, again, this quarterback class, not great, but there are some quarterbacks that have high upside, I think, in this class. Dwayne Haskins, if he comes out. Will Greer, Daniel Jones out of Duke. Those three guys could be NFL starting quarterbacks. If not, you have a loaded class coming out at quarterback next year. So say that the Giants don't even take a quarterback this year, and they decide to take a quarterback in 2020. Say they get a Jake Fromm, a Tua, a Justin Herbert. All of a sudden, you have your franchise quarterback over the past two drafts, last year and this one, you're able to build your team around him, and all of a sudden you have an instant contender. And all that talk about, oh, you shouldn't have taken Saquon at two. Why? You now have him for three more years still before you even have to worry about paying him. And that still gives you time to work your rookie quarterback through and build around him because you don't have to pay him still for another five years after that. So you could legitimately get Saquon Barkley and get him on some kind of contract after the fact, assuming he continues to produce the way that he did, on a three- to four-year contract after his rookie one runs out and still not have to worry about paying your quarterback. In my opinion, it was masterful drafting by the Giants. I love what they did, and I do think they're going to be the class of the NFC East in the coming years. 
Anyways, moving on back to the ranks. Number four was Alvin Kamara. Three, 13.7 points on the year, 20.91 average a week. Number five was Zeke. 286.6 on the year, 19.11 a week. Number six, then this is crazy. Number six, James Conner. 241.6 on the year, 20.13 um, average a week, and didn't even play the last two weeks, and obviously had a bye, uh, every player has a bye, and had two weeks where he put up single-digit points and yet still finished in the top six. James Conner is going to be scary going into next year because I do think that he is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers' main running back. I do think Jalen Samuels will get some work, but James Conner is going to eat much like Lev Bell has in the past few years there for Pittsburgh. Number seven, Melvin Gordon, 241.4 for the year, 21.95 average on the week. James White, 218.2 points for the year, 14.55 average uh, on the year or a week. And that was pretty surprising for me, too, especially how much he tailed off toward the end there. Did start picking it back up a little bit, but right there in the end, around weeks 10 through 15, had multiple. One, uh, you know, single digit weeks, including a 3.8 and a 5.1, 6.2. Not great, especially if you had him going into your fantasy playoffs. Number nine was Kareem Hunt, guys. Kareem Hunt, 217.2 on the year, 19.75 average. And again, after week, uh, was it week 11 or 12, was cut. He didn't even play in the playoffs, nothing. No, no, Missed out three weeks and still finished in the top nine. Number 10 was very interesting for me, David Johnson. All the talk about how he had fallen off uh, and wasn't quite the running back that he used to be this year with the uh, – with, with the way that the offense was and how bad Arizona looked and still finishing the top 10. Obviously not where you drafted him. Chances are he went in your top 5 in every every draft. Oh, uh, excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh. Anyways, uh, still went top 5 in every draft. You expected a lot out of him, but still finishing the top 10, which I think speaks to how good he really is, and I do expect to have a huge bounce-back season next year. 212.3 points, average 14.15 a week. 11 was Joe Mixon, 210.7 on the year with an average of 16.21 of the week. Did miss a couple weeks due to the injury. Will be interesting to see what happens with Mixon with the changes coming in Cincinnati. And then number 12, my guy, the rookie out of Colorado, Philip. Lindsay loved this kid, finished 12 on the year, and the last player to finish with 200 points at the rookie spot, 205.3 points on the year, 13.69 average per week. So, for me, obviously, rookie of the year, it has to go to Saquon Barkley at the running back position. Uh, would love it to go to Philip Lindsay. Actually, no, it can't. As much as I'd love it to go to Philip Lindsay because he... Obviously came out of nowhere. Uh, it's got to go to Saquon because, yes, he was drafted high, but he proved what he could do. He 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 lived up and overproduced on his hype. It's got to go to him. The MVP is obviously Todd Gurley for the same reason. You drafted him 1-1, and I know that he may have failed you in the last few weeks of the season, although if you picked up C.J. Anderson, he sure as shit didn't uh, because C.J. came through with just the same amount of gaudy numbers that uh, Todd Gurley gave you every single point of the year. But Todd Gurley was likely the reason you got 
two-year fantasy championships with as good as he was all year. He produced on being the number one pick. For me, the most surprising, I'm giving it a tie. It's got to be between Christian McCaffrey and then obviously Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay was a guy who, again, I had touted going into the season. Friends of the podcast, the Back Row Fantasy Show, did the same thing. They talked about him being an upstart rookie who could surprise people. I said the same thing. Like I said, I put out card articles on QB list. I talked about him on different shows, including the Back Row Fantasy Show, that I thought this kid was going to be something special. Again, I thought he was going to be a Darren Sproles-like player. What I will say is I didn't expect him to do exactly what he did. I thought he'd be like an RB2 is what I put him as. He finished as a top-tier RB, an elite running back. On top of that, he didn't even do that much in the receiving game, at least as much as I thought. I thought that is where he would thrive. He thrived rushing the ball. Good on him. Congratulations to Christian, I'm sorry, to Philip Lindsay on that. For me also, Christian McCaffrey, again, I would give it to him as well because a lot of people did not expect this of him. They thought that he'd be probably in that bottom 12 uh, or in the RB2 class due to the fact that C.J. Anderson was there. And he came out of nowhere and finished as the second running back on the year. And it's just awesome. Dude's going to be awesome for years to come. And, and add in the fact that he, again, not one single digit week at the position for the running back and didn't miss anything because of injury. They did sit him week 17. Uh, but you know what? Um, it is what it is. You know, you, you can't blame him for that. They sat him because they were pretty much out of it. For the biggest disappointment, it's got to be Leonard Fournette. I mean, it has to be, guys. And in all honesty, and I'm sorry, I really am. For those of you who listen to me and the preseason and anything like that or read, me, read stuff about me on Twitter, what I put out there, I love Leonard Fournette coming into this year. I thought he was going to be a stud. I honestly thought he'd be a top five uh, running back on the year. I, I took him in some in some drafts. And some redrafts at number five overall. And it screwed me, just like it probably screwed you guys if you took him high. Uh, it's unfortunate. A lot of it, obviously, due to the injuries and then just the complete mess that Jacksonville turned into. Um, you know, but he has to be the biggest disappointment. In all honesty, I cannot trust him again. I don't care if he bounces back and has a huge year next year. Likely, I will never draft him on my team ever again due to that. Um, you know, it is what it is, unfortunately, uh, but just horrible year for him. Looked bad. Injuries and everything, uh, everything included in that makes him, in my opinion, the biggest disappointment on the season. Well, that will do it for the running back talk today. I appreciate you guys so much, and thank you so much for listening to the Fantasy Roundtable podcast. I will be back on Thursday. No podcast tomorrow, uh, but I will be back Thursday. We will talk wide receivers, top 12. MVP, Rookie of the Year, Biggest Surprise, and Biggest Disappointment on the Season. That one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And then, obviously, we will talk again on Friday, where I will bring you the tight ends, although that isn't quite going to be as much fun because, really, the tight end, as I've talked about all year, is a garbage fire for the fantasy position. Uh, Really, only a few guys that are elite there, but we still got to talk about them. And then... uh, We'll start talking about the NFL playoffs and everything. Obviously got uh, multiple bowl games going on right now. I just stepped aside to finish this up. 
while the OSU-Washington game is at halftime. Can't wait to get back down there and finish watching that game. Uh, so hopefully, guys, you guys enjoyed your happy, your New Year day. Hopefully, you guys had off work like myself. You are able to watch some bowl games. Uh, and then we'll be back at it again on Thursday. We'll talk more, uh, probably talk to college uh, – championship game on Thursday because I'd like to say Friday for the tight ends and then previewing wild card weekend so until Thursday guys have yourselves a great Wednesday enjoy if you're you know wherever you guys are supposed to cold weather coming everywhere stay bundled up stay warm be safe out there on the roads if they're bad and I will talk to you guys again on Thursday peace prepare for glory I don't know if you got your pop on there Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!